Clemenotis, Daddy Loves You. Okay, shout out to our sponsors, Indosol and Tectonic Coffee. Get on their website and use promo code THT um, when you're at the checkout and you'll get a discount and you'll be supporting the show. Now, today I want to do a huge shout out to past guest Stephen Ellist. Uh, he was on episode number 57. Now, if you want to make a huge difference to someone's life, here's your opportunity. Stephen is a double amputee, father of three children, skateboarder, and like the nicest dude you'll ever meet. If you listen to my podcast with him, you get a pretty good insight into his life and his desire to inspire others. Now, he needs a car to drive his kids around, and in order for that to happen, the specific car he needs must meet certain allowable standards in order for it to be modified to cater to his needs. Uh, He's aiming for $20,000. Every single cent counts, and you'll be changing his life and his kids' lives. So, Go to the GoFundMe, and the GoFundMe is called Help Stephen Ellis Get a Car. His nickname, Stove, is a friggin' legend around Wollongong. You should see him skate. Like, yes, double amputee, skateboarder, absolute ripper. Go to his GoFundMe and help him out. I also want to shout out to Bali Street Mums. Now, this is an awesome initiative. They're, um, they're stopping um, the sex trafficking trade in Southeast Asia, They're also, you know, helping mothers who are living on the streets with their children, providing housing, shelter, food, welfare, counselling, beautiful initiative and they need your help more than ever. So go to the the Bali Street Mums Instagram, there's a link in their bio to their website and you can donate money and and literally make a difference. And just for clarity, like $5 is like 50,000 rupiah in Bali. Now that can literally provide food for four people for a whole day. So just keep that in mind when you donate. All right, Kirk, are you ready, brother? <laughs> yes, he's ready. He's confident. I am down. ready. Ew. I'm having a good time. You are. <coughs> I can tell. We are rolling. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Today's guest is Kirk Jenkins. Kirk is a surfer, carer, and artist whose life is perpetually enmeshed in the creative zone with those he draws inspiration. Kirk regards his personal achievements as making it to 18 years of age, which I love, and I'm, I'm sure he's had an epic childhood. Kirk follows his heart in all that he does, and this was epitomized when he moved to the USA alone in order to pursue a career in acting and to find himself. Speaking of which, Kirk has starred in Australian film Newcastle. He's done TV work in both Australia and the US. Kirk surfs when it calls him and he has been known to surf the infamous Shark Island in Cronulla on a Mini Simmons, which for those that don't know is a very short, fat, square and wide <laughs> twin fin and <coughs> Shark Island is a heavy slab, so that's, that's an achievement in itself, right? So today... Kirk is with me from his apartment in Cronulla, the town he's born and raised, to share his journey, experiences, challenges, and hopes for the future. Kirk Jenkins, welcome. Thank you very much. Brother, how's the cough going? <coughs> the cough is out. coming to a coming to an end. Good. Good. That's fine. You got water. They got coconut water. I do. Nice. Yeah. Love coconut water. It's some good stuff. It's been a minute as well. It has, hey. Mm. I know, like I talk about Bali so much, like people that listen to this podcast must be so fucking sick of it. But <laughs> I, was li- you live- I was living on coconut water 
you know, the electrolytes just cleanses your system, Mm -hmm. keeps you hydrated. Yeah, man. How's your morning been? Morning's been very relaxed. Yeah. Um, Went out to Colonel with the man that I, um, I don't want to say even care for him. I guess I, I am, I do actually care for him, but as a job title, it should be like good mate, assistant or something, you know? So we went out to Cape Salerno, which we do every day, check to see if there's swells or whales or seals. There was waves. And so he gave me the AOK to go and pick up my board. And on the way back, I gave Slippery Surfer, who was on the show a couple of weeks back. Legend. And he surfed it for the first time today. No way. Yeah. How'd he go? He did very well. And I think he was surprised. Um, You know, it was a nice, calmer day with no one out there and just pretty straightforward direction, I guess, or conditions. He was doing turns on the end section and, and, you know, okay. I didn't know you could do turns out here. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't most know people th- are just hunting that barrel, but it's like, um, yeah, it's a quirky little wave. It's got some sections that you can kind of get quite imaginative on, I reckon. So like on smaller days, it actually hugs the reef and, and lines up a little. Yeah. And then off the end kind of, uh, kind of runs and has a nice wall on it where you can lay into or. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know, Cape Salander is Cape, known as Cape Fear. Cape Fear. I oh, know. Or Owls. Or Owls. Not mine. So infamous, infamous surf spot. Give us a breakdown of the, like the actual, the vibe out there, even on a small day. So you said there's, you know, you go out there to look at whales. Like it's quite, it's quite raw environment, even though it's mm. almost in a city. So what's the energy like when you, you know, walking down the rocks, jumping off? Um, How's it feel? It's a to be honest, it's a um it's a very sacred place. Um I was I was too scared to surf it up until literally two and a half years ago, three years ago max. I had mates surfing it real young and you know, a couple of mates that were just super hardcore charges that seemed to have no fear or they were able to work through it. And I, I just inside myself, um, I think I calmly accepted the fact that I was just never going to surf it and I didn't really feel like a pussy or anything like that. I was just like, it's just not my wave, man, you know. But then uh, about, yeah, three years ago, uh, a, mate, a younger mate took me out there actually and he said, just, just watch it, dude. You'll be able to surf this place and show me the spot where to sit and I just – Watched a few and then I got a couple and I got belted on a couple, but I didn't get as belted as I thought thought I would get. Um, so, does it bounce off the um, bounce off the reef pretty hard? Like, like when you take off, and you know sometimes when you pull into a barrel and if it's shallow and it, and it, and it gets that bounce off the reef and you get this like when you see it in the in the footage of yeah. how it gets like a bit of a kink in it. Does it does that happen? Well, it's so dependent on swell direct on conditions Ah, because it's like to answer your question about what's the vibe like, it's, it's this headland that's just open to the whole ocean, Mm. you know, and it just feels like it's got, it's got that raw energy. It's, um, it hasn't been tampered with by man. It feels like it's still really kept on, you know, and I feel, I feel the presence of, um, 
I feel the presence of God, Mother Nature, and and even the Aboriginals that were there, you know, years before. It's got that very, you know, and to the point where I'm, yeah, it's a, it's a humbling place, and I don't, I don't, even on a small day, I don't paddle out, yeah, in a cocky mindset, you know. It's interesting because um, that's where like the first settlers came in through, you know, the headland of Sydney there, and when you stand on that cliff, kind of like the vagina of Australia, it kind of is. That's where it was. That was where the <laughs> well, and then the you know the the uh, our indigenous elders would have been standing on those same cliffs watching this crazy contraption, you know, sail in and like, what the fuck's, what's going on? Oh, what's that? What's the, what's going on here? So what? Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, so you like to surf slabs. I don't want to talk all about surfing. Yeah. But you like slabs. And you like surfing. I love surfing. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like surfing slabs and I feel like mm. everyone I know from Cronulla just has no problem with surfing these really heavy Deep water, from deep water to shallow water mm. reef breaks. What's going on there? <clears throat> my theory or, or kind of perspective on it, for, I guess, coming from my own experience would be we get some, you know, quite decent surf surf breaks on the beaches, yeah. um, but it's not too consistent. And when it gets, you know, over five foot, it's kind of just burger, you know what I mean? It's It's mm. closing out. It's not. Um, anything special and as uh, you know you get to that stage of your surfing where um, I need that a bit more adrenaline or I need a little bit more challenge or I want that you know extra kind of element to yeah to put me in it out of my comfort zone and, and and to test me and my skills and and yeah just I guess get more of an exhilarating experience you like being out of your comfort zone it's a funny thing that uh, one part of me can't stand it but the part that loves it is stronger than the part that can't stand it and so the things that scare me I end up doing because it's like shut the fuck up little voice you know what I mean because the thing is like if I look back through my life that little voice whether that's the ego the monkey brain whatever you want to call it it's a you know it's some computer in our brain yapping and in many situations and and experiences growing up um, and just on the norm, living in this uh, environment in Cronulla and the Southern Shire, I felt I didn't feel completely safe or secure or comfortable uh, expressing all that I felt within myself, you know, as I was going along. And um, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty um, rugged place back back in the eighties, mm. and you know, would would you say you didn't really identify? I didn't identify, no. With the culture and the, and the area? I identified with the natural area, like the environment itself, um, the mindset of the people, like society, no. Mm, why? Just rigid as fuck, you know. Um, in what way? What, describe, okay, describe, yeah. rib- describe rigid. Okay, insensitive, but not just insensitive as, as like a default setting. Yeah. But almost like default, uh, almost like insensitive as a social, accepted, um, ingrained, repeated pattern of the past. Yeah. Men don't cry. Men don't show their feelings. Um, men don't communicate. Mm. Um, and 
just to just to drop a um a bit of information that I only heard recently. Um, the Sutherland Shire has the highest suicide rate in men from I think it's 16 to 45, 50. No way. In the whole of the state. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, Can- not to use that as some kind of like, you know, poor me victim thing to latch onto, but I find that fascinating because, fascinating. you know, I'm a, I'm a heterosexual male um, you know, I've always been, um, heavily involved in sports, um, you know, football, surfing, whatever it is, and yet still didn't quite feel comfortable in this, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Because you're doing all the mainstream things that everyone should do, you know, definitely in this surf town and you yeah. surf well, what is your theory on those rates then? Why do you think that those rates are so high for this particular area? Have you got a I thought about it a lot actually, just you know, in my own circumstance. Um there's there's a blockness. Um it's a and I'll, I'm gonna put it down to fear mm. within the males. And I feel like it's shifting a lot now. Yeah. But it's coming from the old school, um, and you know, being at being at this age now, I've just turned thirty five. It's like I'm able to not just blatantly judge and beat um, my perspective on the head for something. You know, in the sense that um, I'm not just going to throw out a blanket statement and say these old Australians are just fucking ignorant and dumb and blah blah blah. No, they're a product of their experience and they're a product of their environment, same as all of us, you know. So um, can't be angry about it. But at the same time, it's like let's break the fucking cycle. You know, I've, I still kiss my dad on the lips today. My dad's 76. Amazing. Tell him I love him. I'll, I'll hug you. I'll give you a kiss. You know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to French kiss you. Thank, thank you. Just, yeah, just, you know, just a <laughs> flat lip fucking mate. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from kissing males. I'm ready. <laughs> um, love is love. You know, I'm a spirit. Thank you. I'm, I'm, this, I'm this light force and I'm in this vessel that I'm in, this body. Yeah, you are. And if I can't express that energy that I am through this body, which is my tool and my fucking instrument to do that, then why the fuck am I here? Do you know what I mean? That's, that's just to me like uh, that's, that's the root of who I am. If you want to know who I am, that's um, my spirit is just it's 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 a fire and it's and it's just it has to be expressed, not in a violent way, but just in a way where it can't be you can't put a lid on it. Growing up, mm. when you were getting into surfing and, and football, as mm. you said, what were your motives? Were your motives to fit in, or was there actual pure enjoyment mm. of those activities? Yeah, that's a, and that's a decent question, a good question. Um, Football, it was interesting football. I kind of just, I think I got put into football. Maybe mum and dad thought like, this is a good boy sport for Kirk to do, you know, living in Cronulla. Um, <laughs> but I, I quite enjoyed it. Like I, I definitely didn't have that full mongrel in me yet. Like I had a go, but it was, I think it was, I liked the fact that I was hanging out with these guys my age and, you know, you're all just learning 
as you go along, you all know randomly the same, I'm sorry, randomly, you roughly know about the same amount of information about any topic yeah. at that age, you know, in your teens or younger. So, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't my game. No, no. <laughs> but surfing was. Surfing, yeah. Like, was it a genuine, we like, okay, I, I'm assuming that a lot mm. of your friends were into it. And so that would obviously encourage you to be into it. But was it yeah. for you or was it for them or was it to fit in with them? No, surfing actually. So I grew up at the beach just up the hill from here, so uh, Wanda Beach. Wow. Great yeah. place to grow up, man. Yeah. No, super blessed. And um, there's many there's many paths I could go down with the prices of Cronulla now compared to there and all that, but I'll stick on the topic. Um. I grew up – so I grew up across the road from the beach and we were down there every day. I actually got christened. I'm not – we're not from a religious background at all, but I got christened um, by a family friend who was quite a spiritual guy and he literally just put salt water on my forehead. No way. And I was conceived in Hawaii. So these are my theories for why I surf. Sick. Because no one else in the family surfs. Really? Actually, my sister kind of does. So, But she's not frothing on it. She is, but she's never, like, been a competitive surfer. Okay. So, yeah. So um, you've been a competitive surfer? I have, yeah. But so surfing progressed from literally um, a boogie board yep. to going into nippers and being, like, fully involved in, in nippers, doing, you know, going to state titles and uh, all the competitions and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I started standing up on my nipper board because I was, like, fully into board paddling. Yeah, right. And then it just it just got boring and I saw all these other kids that I didn't know, you know, they were from the area but I didn't know them and they just looked heaps more interesting than the kids that I was hanging out with. That, you know, they just had a little bit more edge and, yeah. and um, I was like, I need some of that, you know, some of that flavour and they're standing on their boards and it looks fun and you can create your own style and all that kind of thing. And so I was like, um, I literally just started standing up on my nipper board and I had always had really good balance. I could stand up on my boogie board and just not fall off all the way in. And so it was just a natural progression. And then I said to mum and dad, oh, can I get a surfboard? They bought me a secondhand one. Just I think I'd said I liked a 100 other things. And, you know, we'll start with something <laughs> cheap and see if you really like it. Yeah. And to be honest, I just I fell in love with it. Nice. Um, it was a completely different, uh, separate feeling and connection with Mother, which is why I call ocean, is it's mother, you know, it's my mother. And to be removed from this white bread, cookie cutter, um, rigid, you know, I can't, I can't rip it apart completely because it taught me some basic necessities and skills that I would never have if I didn't do nippers. But as far as the competitive side of things, you know, it, it's, there's a time and place for it. There really is. But for me to just go out and connect with mother and touch her and feel her and express myself on that wave the way I want to without having anyone tell me what to do or how to do it is just such a liberating experience. It's, was, it the, was it the birth of your creativity as an individual? No. Actually, I was, I was... Really? No, very young. I was imitating... So you got headphone problems? Yeah, sorry about that. One, is one nose one of you not working? No, I just, oh, I just, okay. I just banged it. I had a little bit of a Tourette's moment. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, keep going. Yeah. So, um, 
No, I was really into drawing as a kid. Always like doing little, I don't know what you call them, little characters. I was creating my own characters. And God. I, it, I wasn't conscious of it at the time, but looking back in retrospect, I think it really helped channel and zone me, focus me. The drawing? Yeah, because I was put on ADD medication very young, um, you know, all these different things in school growing up. So that was another reason why I think, you know, the whole Cronulla th- vibe um i was called you know at school it was either stupid or um bad person you know evil little kid telling that you know he's a bad influence all that kind of shit and um (laughs) so it was all of it was all of that too but um and then yeah i was imitating people and doing always mimicking and dressing up and all that kind of thing so really it kind of looked like I never knew what I wanted to do, to be honest. Same. Like mm, I still don't. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm 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 just, I'm doing it as I go along. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. But it's gotcha. got it's got a bit of guidance consciously now. Yeah. I'm aware of what that is. But as a kid, it was. Um, so how, how yeah. would you how would you reflect on your early school days? Good or bad, <laughs> describe them. Were they yeah. was it a positive time in your life or a, a, a negative time? Oh, negative one hundred percent. Was it? Yeah. Why? Um, so you've got this, let's refer to what I said before. You've got this fire in a, in a, in a shell basically. And so now you've got this fire in a shell that in its own atmosphere, in its own environment at its own time can wiggle and weave and do what the fuck it wants without any persecution, without any repercussions, any negative, you know, law enforcement coming into it. Then you put that in a f- closed system, fixed society, in a classroom, right? Um, and then you've got books and Rules. uniforms <clears throat> and tables and chairs and time schedules. Yeah, the whole thing. Um, and my my mum and dad actually said quite funny early on that Kirk's running on Narrenbinji time. They just made it up. It was like Kirk's on his own Aboriginal time. Like ten time did not make sense. I still to this day I cannot read um, really? a uh, what are the clocks? The analog like ones. analog analog clock. Yeah, really. And I kind of just accepted at one point. I'm like, you know what? I'm not. I'm just not going to learn how to do it. And that's just because <laughs> that's, that's yeah. You. So being in that system, and then you know, one size fits all. No, one size doesn't fit all. You know what I mean? I'm a fucking rainbow over here. Mm. That kid next to me is blue. The next kid's pink, you know. Yeah. And we all need different things. Dude. And, and so it was like it was, it was prison. And, and, and the thing is it's so confusing and frustrating as a kid because you don't know what the fuck's going on. And there's many factors you feel like are involved in why you're feeling the way you're feeling but you can't quite articulate it and you don't even know who the person, the right person is to tell it to. If you could go back though, what would be the alternative for you? What would be a mm. solution to that for, for, for people who, or young people who felt like you? Uh, no school? S- speaking from my parents' point of view or from my point of view? Both. Well, you maybe start with your point of view. Uh, my point of view, my child, okay, let's look at it like that. When I have a child one day, or children, I will naturally let mother and, and, and father 
guide me from my instincts of what is right, but I'm definitely going to 100% have them in an environment that allows them as much freedom as possible for their fires to be able to wiggle and weave. Thank you. Do you know what I mean? Thank you. I'm listening. That's the basis. That's the basis. The rest, the rest comes, the rest comes, you know, as long as you've got that starting point of I'm rooted in truth, I'm rooted in earth, I'm rooted in mother and spirit and, and all of that. The re- yeah. I'm going to play devil's, devil's advocate a little bit. Is that preparing that individual for this modern world that we're forced to live in? That's a, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, great point. I'm, with that, I don't think I would, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I would remove them. No, it's, it's a fucking great point and, and you've got me on that because I've, I've wiggled back and forth in my mind with it. I would say that um, I was raised on a pretty healthy diet and a lifestyle by my parents, Amazing. right? But on Fridays we're allowed to have takeaway food or if we're at the beach doing nippers we could have lollies or whatever. Yeah. But this whole ADD thing came along and that changed. Kurt can't have red cordial, blah, 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 gotcha. blah. Gotcha, gotcha. My point is if, you, if I didn't have that kind of let's call it um, – artificial deliciousness with my uh, organic kind of or healthy um, whole food diet, my immune system may be not as good or not as adaptable or strong to the current or at the times different preservatives and shit coming through. You know, it's the same with sickness. I had all these friends, their parents were like clean freaks, right? And they were getting sniffly noses and don't go surfing. Totally. You know, you've got to stay in bed and have your chicken soup and all that. And I was like, we weren't, my sister and I weren't even allowed to stay inside. Like if it was semi raining, it's like, get outside. We've got the beach in front of us. There's a park and sand dunes over there. And there's a pool in the backyard and grass. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like literally I had to go to school even when I, I remember going to school one day, I was so sick and, um, and mum's like, we've got, I've got to go to work. She was like in the council and I remember just vomiting like all over the fucking floor. And I'm like, mum said I had to be here and then they took me home anyway and she had to leave work. No way. But yeah, my point is, it's just like, yeah. We're over-sanitized. Over-sanitized. So the kids need to get dirty. They need to be outside. Kids need to they eat, need eat good mud. Ba- they need you know bacteria. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And that's. Licking, like, get up. You need to be in it, all amongst it. And, um, yeah, I mean, this over-sanitized world we have to live in at the moment where, you, like, you're required to sanitize everywhere you go if you're out in public. I mean, that's actually – it's going to, in my opinion, cause long-term health implications. We're depleting immune systems. Mm. We're reducing our resilience. Yeah. But we're being told constantly, sanitize, wear face masks, protect yourself. And, look, I don't want to be that guy that says don't do it, but I – and I understand why it needs to be done, but we need more messages of eat a whole food diet, mm. go outside, get dirt on your feet, mm. you know, you know, swim in the ocean, tell people that you love them, say hi to people in the street, connect. But we're not. We're not we're not getting those messages. And it fucking shits me every time I turn the TV on, which I don't turn the TV on very often, but it's this the same thing. Wear a mask. Like so which, I don't have which a is TV. all. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I lived. I didn't have a TV for two years in Bali, and since mm. I've come back, I've got one, and I hate it. Like I don't even turn it on, and every time I do, 
And the whole fa- – I'm on a rant now, sorry, but on the whole face mask sure. thing, it's not – okay, yes, it prevents the transmission. I get it. But it's also covering that individual's face. You can't see their their expressions. You can't see their emotions. And you're, you're isolating them emotionally. Mm. Now, we're approaching Christmas, right? And you talk – I don't like to – talk about suicide because suicide is just one aspect of mental illness and it's a small aspect of, of the big problem it really is it's not the majority of the problem but we're coming into a time of the year when mental health rates increase over christmas period mm. now i'm very curious to see how how things transpire in terms of our mental health statistics mm. over this coming holiday period so anyway just thought I'd get that off my chest. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, like it's a so, pretty – oh, you go. As far – yeah, as far as you were saying with um, the, the over-cleanliness and all of that, it's um, – I think it's built into literally the white man psyche. Do you know what I mean? It Why? Got, well, it's just this whole kind of – think about it. It's like – Control? Yeah, control. I mean, I don't know – where things went warped with the the whole white population, like coming from Africa until we sprouted off into whatever. But yeah, it's just, it's so, it's very rigid. It's, it's, it's rigid. That's all I know how to say it. So if I think of an Aboriginal person, right? A native, uh, to me, I, I picture them as just this very like flexible, fluent, adaptive, nomadic, nomadic, creative, loving, expressive warrior, all of those things. White man, and we're doing it now, is like beating, it's almost like beating the human out of a human. Let's make you so clean and so fucking stiff and so programmed and domesticated and disconnected from the environment. From the environment. Demasculated, dehumanized from the environment, exactly. And it's like, we're, we, it's humans are trying to play God. We think we are God, right? White man, so. And that's where all the drama is coming from. Agreed. And you it, know, and, and it, it takes it takes a lot of people to be aware of that for there to be a big change. And it comes from control, and control comes from fear, e- fear, and ego. ego. There they are. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, we just want to control everything, and now we're trying to control effectively nature. Yeah. And nature's like, fuck you. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know. And that's the situation I see that we're in at the moment. We think we're separate to nature, but we're not. It's 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 um, we we are. You know, they talk about flora and fauna. We are we're fauna. How it's gotten to this point is insane, though. You know, it's um, it really baffles me because, and maybe it's because of my upbringing. Because I was, I was allowed to walk around naked in nature, and I was, you know, I was um, encouraged to go and, you know, collect snakes and climb trees and all that stuff. Mm. And mum and dad, you know, they said now in retrospect they regret not putting me on a farm, you know, literally or, or, or somewhere where they really nurtured creativity and sensitivity and all those things. That's why I felt scared here. I was very sensitive. There you go. Not sensitive in I'm, I am far beyond weak. I'm as strong as I am as I am soft. Physical? Or as hard as... Physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, but I feel everything. Like I feel everything heightened like a motherfucker, and I feel like you do too. So yes, that may connect um, us it, to is, the next thing. Is it a blessing or a curse, though? It's a blessing, 
But it's up did to you, me. Did you always feel like it was a no, blessing? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. So you've tapped, you've <laughs> tapped into it as a superpower. Yeah, I've tapped into it as a superpower now. And at one point it felt like a superpower until it was somewhat beaten out of me or or suppressed to the point where I questioned whether it was a superpower. Because, because, you, of, the, because of that white bread society banging on me, telling me to, to be the, the same as the rest of the herd. The programming. The programming, like straight up. Interesting. Fear programming. And I was rebelling it against it the whole time, knowing it was bullshit. But because I'm in this little vessel, you know, no matter how big this fire is, when you're in a little vessel in this fucking man-made world, you don't mean shit. You know what I mean? Unless you're from a rich family or whatever it is or, you know, Mm. the Dalai Lama. But even then it's like you're not heard. No. You know, and and that's 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 – that's a cycle I'm breaking consciously, you know, and I speak to kids of every age, like I full put my vibe out there, you know, and the whole pedophilia thing and all that crazy shit that's happening, it disgusts me. I don't understand it. Maybe it's an illness or whatever. That's another rant. But as far as just like encouraging kids, you know, to be kids and and expressing myself to them and and, and me feeling okay to be the kid within me, you know what I mean? Here's a question for you. Was your ADHD diagnosis as a kid, in hindsight, a blessing or a curse? Good question. <laughs> I'm not trying to stump you. You're allowed to. Well, you it's, know. It's a good thing. Because I mean, I, I don't have an answer to it. Yeah. Uh, I was actually talking with AD, about ADHD with someone, I think, Last night or the night before, and I'm—I um, mean, I don't want to offend people who may be suffer, suffering from it, but does it need a diagnosis, or is it just an individual who is highly sensitive, high energy, okay, mm. not built to conform to a rigid structure, and it often gets diagnosed yeah. in schools, mm. which are the most rigid of structures mm-hmm. that a, a young person can ever deal with. And they are an extreme example of, of someone whose personality does not fit in that mold. Well, it's, it's, exact, it's exactly that. You know, it's this – we talked about schools being arranged and organized in these certain ways where one size fits all or it's meant to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same as an army or whatever. But the whole society, then the whole world – to the to the most degree is built the same way. Yeah. So it's it's there's layers upon layers of that um, closed system rigidity, you yeah. know. And and so if you're if you're of the I don't know what the percentage is. Say there's a five percent. I should really actually Google that. But <clears throat> whatever the percentage is of ADD people per norm mm-hmm. person. Um, I don't think it's large enough for society society to cater to. You know what I mean? Because if it's only a couple of people disrupting a whole movement, yeah. then it's easier for us to just put you on a pill and numb you, shut you the fuck up and put you in a corner or whatever, than to disrupt this whole order that we've got in place. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't just, yeah, it doesn't just... I don't think it just comes down to the diagnosis. It goes to like 
society is running on such a fast pace. White man society is like, it's insane. It's so artificial and so unnatural yeah. to us as beings. Yeah, we can adapt to it. We can adapt, adapt to smoking ice and drinking Coca-Cola. But are we meant to? Like, is it the bright thing? Is it the good thing for us? Yeah. Um, and I think it just always comes back to that basic root for me is how did the natives live? Yeah. Strip her back, strip back all that shit. I always think about that. Whenever my mind's going nuts, what would the natives be doing right now? Thank you. They wouldn't be sitting in their room isolating, fuck it, you know, being depressed and, and not communicating with the rest of the tribe. Looking at a screen. Looking at a screen, you know, um, and, and living in this false sense of security, which is complete uh, delusion. Which has been turned on its head. Which is, yeah, it's totally been turned on its head right now. I love that you said that. Yeah, what would, the na- what would natives do? And it's it's that simple. We've just overcomplicated it, right? Yeah, it's a hut. You're like, it's literally, it's your camp, your your base, yeah. right? I've got my, my teepee and my family and my other teepees. We've got a fire in the middle. We tell stories. We go hunting. We go, um, we play music, um, we build things. But this is all using my natural surroundings. There ain't no store to go to. There ain't no, there's, you know, yeah. it's, it's literally use these basic things. And that to me is like luxury. Yeah. You know, it's, I've had to adapt. Everyone has to adapt. Some, But for me to be living at Cronulla at this time, knowing all of this and feeling all this, is almost insane. It is? It's almost a complete contradiction. Mm. If it wasn't for the natural environment, um, I don't belong here. <laughs> well, it's an interesting it's an interesting paradox, Cronulla, I find, because it's highly urbanized. But then it's on the on the coast of like I really see Cronulla mm. and the, the coastline as one of the most raw coastlines. Yeah. Like it is, like, you know, you go out to, say, Vui, like, and, um, and Cornell and those areas, like, it's, it's so central mm. and so urban, but so raw. Yeah. And it's a real contradiction of environments. And I think maybe that's why, maybe going in line with what you're saying, that you, you still can find a place of centeredness here mm. because of that. I don't know. There's that really environmental connection for you. There totally is. And that's, yeah, no, that's what it's come come to. Well, this is what it's come down to of me um, identifying with that. And I'm grateful for that, you know, because um, it is easy to get swayed or caught up in, you know, some very tedious shit. But, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But listen, so growing like growing up here, surfing was a big part of your story, surfing the reefs. And I want to talk a little bit about your art. So, mm. by the way, I love your art. Like um, I, I know that lately you've been really into like a monochrome color tones and, and, and color and like I really – I've always been drawn to mono, monochrome. I don't know mm. why. So what, what's inspired that move in your, in your artistic expression at the moment? This is great because this can actually cover a lot of – it's going to be a little bit of a circle. Go, you know? go circle. Oh, okay, let's go circle. <laughs> I'm a circle, <clears throat> not a square. All right, so uh, – I stopped you again. No, you haven't stopped me. 
when I moved to America seven years ago, yep. fast forward four years from then, and I was in Miami. Okay. I was living in Miami, and I happened to end up in a 12-step program and get sober. Up until that point, I'd been painting with colors for the – Okay, let's let's let's. Well, do you mind mm. if I ask why you felt inclined to be in a twelve-step program in the first place? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, I'd I'd moved from LA. Um, I'd been in LA for four years after leaving Australia, and then I got to a point where I was like, I can't be here. That fire inside was exploding, and which started affecting my mental and emotional severely. I left the relationship that I was in for four years with this uh, wonderful woman who I'm still, um, who is very dear to me today. Uh, And so from that moment I came, I went through England, took care of my grandfather for five months. Uh, He was dying of cancer. Amazing. It was, it was, it naturally happened. I didn't want to come back to Sydney. I didn't want to come back to Australia. There was just something in me. I don't know if it was fear or whatever. It was pushing me away from that. So I got back to Australia after that eventually. Um, and I ended up in Tasmania. And that was, that was my way of not going directly to Sydney and having to face whatever I didn't want to face. There was a lot of fear in me. And um, I got here and I had basically a mental breakdown. I, um, I hit a rock bottom, you know. I, hit a, I hadn't really heard that term before, but like emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, I was just a broken, just felt like a broken corpse, you know. Did the, was, the break, was the breakdown of the relationship a catalyst for that? Yeah, it was part of it for sure, yeah. It was, you know, it was going to L.A., to, to pursue acting and I did some great things that you know not many people know about and I haven't really talked about but um, it was such a learning experience such a growing experience in, in every category not just acting you know mm-hmm. that, that's I think acting is a catalyst to fucking to grow explore discover and express yourself as a human being you know mm-hmm. you don't really have to have a camera in front of you to do that yeah yeah Okay. I've never so thought. I'm expressing myself in every other avenue that I feel the necessity to. Yeah. So mm. you said you had you, you felt your first maybe rock bottom you'd felt. Yeah. So and so mm. I, I love there's a saying I heard like if people hit rock bottom there's only one way to go from there mm. and that's up. So what what transpired from that rock bottom? I got on the I got on the I tried to contact the woman that I just left. And she'd blocked me on everything. Long story short, I finally got in contact with her through a friend of hers, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And begged for her forgiveness. Yes. I thought that was my answer and maybe I just fucked that up. Yep. You know? She goes, you come back to Australia. We can give this, come back to Australia, come back to America. I'm in Miami now and we'll give this thing a shot. You can come on a 90-day tourist visa. We'll get married in those 90 days so that you can actually stay here and we can work this out. 
I was smoking a shitload of weed for the all the years, literally all the years up until this moment, that moment, right? Yeah. Um, but the stuff in the past, it was it was hardcore. Hardcore hydroponic chemicalized crazy stuff, which really bent me, and I wasn't in a place to be able to um, benefit from that at all. And so, at that time, I was, um, I was just, yeah, I was, I was broken at that point in my life. Whether it was marijuana, whether it was resentments, whether it was just hadn't been able to figure out life. How do I do life? Whatever it was, I. I was at that point and I, and I, and I was scared as fuck and I didn't know what to do. So I'm in this room at this house in Miami and living in this city. I've never lived before, literally, you know, and planning to get married in like a few days, you know, like a few months kind of thing. Serious. Yep. Don't have a work visa because I threw all that away in LA. Mm -hmm. Like I literally could have my work visa still in LA right now and be a you know, a citizen. I threw all that away. Wow. I just disconnected myself from the whole process, from the whole experience. I was like, that was a chapter. Wow. Yeah. And so when, when I was in that house, she was, um, working this corporate job, you know, working hours at a time. And this artist in Miami doesn't have working papers at the moment, smoking heaps of weed, making art, She's expecting a bit more, so she should. And where do we go from there? And she's like, okay, if we're going to get married, you need to get your shit together or you need to do something like as far as – and there was a lot of delusion at the time. I was very much like in the clouds, you know. These days I have my feet very firmly planted on the ground and my head in the clouds. But back then my whole fucking body was in the clouds. So you've been pragmatic. You do what you need to do to to Mm. survive. Yeah. Self-reliant. Yeah, but then you still you still have your your dreams and your hopes. Oh yeah, for sure. So good, dude. That, yeah. I, mean, I think that's the that's the fucking challenge. Like, because yeah, we do. We have to make our way in this world. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and we don't have a choice about how that's done in this world. I mean, we do mm. to an extent. Yeah, but we still got to. You still got to. There's a lot of navigating. You got to pay. You got to pay for things. You mm-hmm. know? And you got to pay your dues. Got to pay dues. But if you can find a balance where it doesn't stifle your creativity or who Mm. you want to be, Mm -hmm. I I think that's the key. You're killing it. And then if it can then be a a split of a majority of your time is uh, doing what you want to do and that makes you a living, which Mm. is very challenging, well, then you've nailed it in my opinion. Well, if if I'm killing it, I was going to say, I've been fighting it all these years. Okay. I've been fighting the system all these years. Yeah. I don't think I've killed the system, <laughs> but I've killed it to a degree where I can actually, you know, move within the system. Or you're, you're nimble. Yeah. I'm right. of it, but I'm – no, I'm in it, but I'm not, not of, of it. it. I'm in it, but I'm not I'm of it. I'm in it, but I'm not of it, bro. I love that, dude. I'm going to call that episode Kirk Jenkins, I'm in it, but I'm not yes. of it. That's fucking rad. Epic. Dude, that's the raddest quote. Dude, I'm stoked. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Bless you. So let's get back to. Yeah, I want, I want to hear about like how you got yourself out of that hole. Like, I think it would be very, very good for people to hear because we yeah. all hit those rock bottoms. Some people hide it. Some For some people, they lose everything they have. Some people, it's just their rock bottom is just in their mind. Yeah. You know? But so 
what did you do? You said you got yourself into a into a twelve step recovery program. In those few days that I was in Miami, yeah. Um, my soon to be wife became very good friends with this um, gay hairdresser in Miami, and he was he just told her his whole story, and you know he'd been you know an ice addict and a prostitute and um, just crazy stuff. Brutal, yeah. And um, and then he was like a year sober, and you know he'd found this peace and and you know at that time when you're broken you know when you're that broken and anyone who knows what that feels like in their own capacity to their own um understanding gets the fact that you will grab for basically anything to as a savior and that's where i was and um he came to the house to cut my hair before the wedding and um, as I said, I'm a heterosexual male. Don't know why I need to even fucking say that. But there's this beautiful, physically beautiful man. But it wasn't just that. He was like, his energy was just, it was like a white light, to be honest. There, I just, there was no, there was no heavy energy. There was no negative shit that I see in a lot of society. And maybe that's my own projection, but partly. But at the same time, um, he just opened up and told me his whole story basically and then said, would you like to come to a meeting tonight with me? I'm just going to like, it's a bunch of friends and whatnot. And yeah, he, he had that, he had that thing that attracted me to want to go to it. And, um, and, and I went there and it was like, I thought I was just going to go say hello to some people and watch what was going on. I was in that seat. There was this full room of strangers, but the energy was like hyped. It was wild, you know, like sober people in one room and the energy was just like buzzing. And I was like, what the fuck? So anyway, I'm sitting down and then finally they start counting chip, uh, bringing out the, uh, the chips, you know, for um, counting days and whatnot. Yeah. And they just start clapping and he's like, push me up there. And he's like, go and get your first chip. I didn't know I was getting no chips. I'm on the stage and I'm getting my chip. (laughs) And I just felt so much love and acceptance. And it literally felt like, I mean, it was the closest thing to getting a hug from Cape Salander, mother at Cape Salander out there. It was Mm -hmm. literally just this big burst of light. And from that day forward, I I, I literally just said, okay, I'm going to just do this thing and for me, the person who's been fighting everything, you know, this whole, this whole time, authority, um, any kind of authority figure, any kind of closed system, um, to get to that point where I was willing to, to even listen, you know, um, was a miracle. And so, you know, from that moment, it was just my heart was open to, to the, to the love and the light that needed to shine through into me, into <clears throat> the acceptance of who I am, um, the way that I am, and to feel that acceptance. I never felt that acceptance before. I don't think I even felt that necessarily to the full capacity in my own family even. Wow. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. These are some strangers from any part of the earth and they happen to have some s- stuff that's gone on and some stuff within them that's broken them and now they're they're able to just – connect on that level is yeah wow man it's really you you told that story so well 
And it's, yeah, it's amazing. Would you say prior to that you're a spiritual person or did going there fill you with a sense of spirituality? Uh, yeah, both. Like, a, like con- a connectedness to your inner self, your true self? For sure. I did, you know what, As a, I do remember as a, as a child playing in nature, I did feel always some kind of quite, um, I, don't, I don't even want to call it spiritual, the word's beaten up. I, I would call it like almost like a, I don't know, a mystical and a mystic and even that you felt that from a young age. Yeah, so you're, in nature, you know, in my heart. But when I would, when I was going through those big chunks of time where I felt scared within my own skin, my own environment, I very much um, started to create this other persona, you know. And then it became the tough guy and, and the bad boy. And you did? Yeah, totally. What, what, age, what age was that? That was 13. Um, Mum left my dad. We're just bouncing all over the joint, aren't we? It's fine. <laughs> it's meant to go. Yeah, cool. And so, um, yeah, Mum left dad at, when I was 13 when we were up at Wanda. And good, uh, good morning, Chucky. I mean, Dennis the good? Menace was born. It's got gnarly. Yeah. It was like my whole carpet, my whole world just got pulled out from under me. Wow. You know, from that, my family, was there was no abuse. There was no arguments going on. There was no telltale styles that anything was up, right? And kids sense shit. I didn't even sense that. And so when that happened, it was just, fuck. It was like my whole reality cracked. My whole life up until that point that made any sense at all just broke in half and it was like not only that but my mum is leaving my father so now what do I think of that right this is my this is my female mother figure yeah. and this is my male father figure yeah so she's leaving him which is going to break up the whole family which says what about him and what about her and what about us me and my sister the mind of a child, you're going to process that however your brain's going to fucking process that to its capability at that point, right? And you expressed it through what? Acts, anger. Anger and violence? I, I expressed it through pretty much just, uh, I just said, fuck it, literally. Self-destructive just, just behavior? Self-destructive, inwardly, outwardly. Um, for the most part, I thought I was just doing it outwardly. Um, and I wouldn't say I was ever, um, never, ever physically abusive with a woman ever. And I never would be, um, no, not even like, I guess as a teenager, it was just like, um, I lost total respect for women because of my mother. And so all women were associated with that same category. And I don't want to use terms and stuff, but it was pretty much like um, women aren't respectful. Women aren't loyal. Women maybe. I understand understand what you're saying. So like it it led to like, I guess, insecurity. Insecurity, like maybe kind of just wanting to have sex with women to feel empowered. Like, but that's what the older guys were doing too. It was like you know, how many girls can you have sex with? Yeah. And as a kid, it's just like, it seems like a game, right? Yeah. But 
in that whole time I'm pretending to be this person. Yeah. He's having sex with all these – like I love women. Women are beautiful. They're sacred creatures. Yeah. But at this time, that, that's not what they meant to me because of that traumatic experience, you know. Yeah. And so um, – Yeah, like it, it, when you say traumatic experience, it, it was and it is. And, you know, you're – in my opinion, and I'm not an expert, but your mind – develops these neurological patterns and pathways and then as a, as a protective, protective mechanism, mechanism. Thank you. For sure. That's exactly it. And so then it's very hard to undo those pathways, especially if it was traumatic. And when I say mm. traumatic, like sudden, unexpected, yeah, painful, deeply yeah. painful. Yeah. And like unexpected. you had an out of your control. Yeah, out of my control. Yeah. And, and so all the whole safety net's gone. You go into survival instincts. Yeah. Mm. And so then it was hanging out with, you know, you're hanging out with the other boys that are from broken homes. It sounds so, it sounds so drastic when you say broken homes. You know, you just picture this house on fire with like shit flying out the window <laughs> and just mean, yeah, you know, okay, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. the disconnection or the end of a chapter of yeah. this relationship. Or family breakdown. Family st- still break. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's negative. Actually, you know yeah. what? Like going back to what you said way back at the start about perception, mm. it could be perception as well. Yeah. Is it a bad thing? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it isn't. isn't. You don't know. So, yeah, that's when I started putting on all my armor and, you know, I was bad boy and uh, playboy and um, wannabe homie and, you know, and then started getting in fights and stuff. And Really? Yeah, so, man. I can't imagine. No, you. I know. Like there was just so much anger within me. Like I can't even ex- – like it was a rage. Wow. And I just didn't know how, how to express it and it was like I expressed it through surfing. And that's why my surfing really revved developed up. and revved up at the time. Yeah. Is when I just, I went from 13 to 17 is when I was surfing my, my hardest and my best. Wow. And that was pro- going through all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like literally whenever I could just get to that ocean, yeah. that was, that became mother. And that was a replacement for my mother because she was always there. Gotcha. Mum wasn't always there physically, you know? Yeah. And so this deep, deep connection came. The ocean's um, always there. Yeah, always there. Rain, hail or shine, you know? Um, and every time I get out of the water, I feel better. The only time I don't is when my ego's revving up and I had some kind of projected expectation on that so on the surf or myself of what I should have done or what should have happened. <laughs> I can't believe you're saying this. Get but apart from that, it's purely just... It's always good. I get, I, it's, I get, it's funny you mention that. I get straight out of the surf now when I feel those feelings. It's, if there's negative feelings come into my mind while I'm in the surf, okay, you know, if it's frustration with crowds, if it's like angry at someone because they snaked me, <laughs> if it's um, uh, any of those things and I feel that upwelling of either anger or resentment, yeah, I just, I just go straight in. Like sometimes like I've been known to – be in the surf for five minutes and then paddle straight in because I <laughs> no way. Well, because I just don't I don't want to associate any type of negativity with what you said, Mother Ocean. You know, and Mother, and that's what it really is. You know, so I think I think that's really really something and beautiful that you just said that that you actually consciously take yourself out of that environment because you don't want to tox toxify that. Thank you. 
that's that's impressive, man. Yeah, but I mean, that's also it's a, it's another it's another small step towards living more of a conscious life and being conscious in every moment. You know, um, I think mm. that's, in my opinion, a lot of the problems we have that people are just living unconsciously. They're not making conscious decisions. They're not being in the present moment and 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 consciously absorbing those moments for what they are, good yeah. and bad. So, and we have a choice in every moment. But look. I don't want to talk about myself, about myself. I want to talk about you. I want to just go back though. I asked you about your art. And I love your art. Do you need something? No, I was pointing to you about to. So, so you, it went art, from color so, yeah. into, into okay, so, yeah. But you know, you said you know like the art, and then you know it took you on this to go back. You know, you went to LA or you went to America. You were hit a rock bottom. You were with a girl. You broke up. So how are these factors? There's, mm. a, there's a variety of them. Just yeah. summarize a little bit. Mm. Get you to a point where you are now yeah. where you're producing these beautiful artworks, patterned artworks. I don't know how you'd describe them. I'm not – I don't have the terminology of an art mm. a connoisseur. It's, it's energy. It's Thank just you. energy. How, how, <laughs> how have all those factors led to a point where you're manifesting your – Art right now. Okay. So I was going to talk about how it went from color to black and white. Go. <laughs> Go. All right. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, cold turkey. Cold I'm, turkey. I'm in, I'm in Miami. Cold turkey from what? Cold turkey alcohol and from drugs. alcohol, drugs. Um, yeah. And it's been a while since I've had any breaks or whatever. So. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to feel things, you know, and and I'm not able to sleep and shit's getting I really I felt like my reactions, I don't know if everyone has the same withdrawals, but my yeah, they were intense. Anyway, so through, through that whole kind of purging and experience of going day after day not having something, just getting through that fucking minute, that second, you know, just because this this world feels so intense after being, you know, anesthetized for so long and, and comforted oh, by this raw. raw as fuck. It's like jumping off at Cape Salander in the nude uh, uh, over those kanjis. Right. I mean, I've never surfed Cape Salander. Uh, I'm in the same mindset as you. I don't think I ever will. You will. Maybe you will. Okay. I'm yeah. ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I will be ready. <laughs> but um, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Okay, but how many people are brave enough mm. to deal with life on life's terms in that rawness that it is without some type of numbing? I don't know. You know, there's, there, there's know very me. few, like there's me. very few that have the courage to do that. And mm. I think the ones that do uh, are the ones that build up this superpower energy. Mm. And it does. It, it grows this energy. And you talked about your hairdresser friend who just immediately said he was this beautiful Shining face. Light. Well, like, you know, maybe you were identifying with that inner light that not a lot of people have. Totally was. That not a lot of people have. But physically you looked healthy too. That's what it was. Well, that's, I mean, a byproduct. If you shine from the inside, you know. But also, like, when you, I think when people stop using drugs and alcohol, you know, they all of a sudden start eating better and they start exercising. Sleeping, so these yeah. are the, the sleeping yeah. better and, and having healthy relationships. And so, yeah, like, these are all byproducts of that beautiful courage. True. Mm. Mm. So the way the the work went black and white because do you need a hand? Do you want to hold the mic while you do? No, no, no. That's cool. That's cool. Just rolling <laughs> a cigarette. So um, 
it went to black and white because shit was real. I was I realized I was using color as as basically um, a distraction mm. to the outside world and maybe even to myself, like a, a denial that things are like rosy and happy. Mm. If I paint with colors, things are cool. Gotcha. But it was the complete opposite. Like yeah. as far as people paint when they're with colors when they're happy, supposedly, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just had to strip shit back because that's literally what was happening to me within the program and um, in life, in my body. You know, I'm finding out who I am without this substance in my body. Who am I in this new country without this substance in my body? About to marry a woman and... And you don't know who you are. And I don't know who I am without this shit. And it's just like... Yeah, I, 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 and then the thing was I was so scared about creativity disappearing, you know, and um, I met this awesome dude in there, Alex, and he um, he goes, man, just you, you got to do like a thousand paintings. They'll be shit. You just do a thousand of them and then eventually you'll do one you like and then from there, you know, it, it just starts to evolve and I'm like, but what if I never be able to do like a proper good one again or anything I like and da-da-da. I did a thousand shit paintings. No way. I just did. I just, <laughs> I just let it out how it had to come out. And then eventually this style started to develop. It's so good. And I, and you know what it was like, if I'm going to picture life, um, if I'm going to digest it in, in the way that I can best, it's going to be in black and white because I got to keep shit simple. Fuck yeah. Because I've complicated the shit out of my life, you know, <laughs> Through my reactions, through my actions and all of those things, but at the same time being able to get to this point right now. You know, I'm not, as, I'm not sober in the program right now as far as I smoke marijuana, but I don't drink and I don't take other drugs. I'm not about them at all. Other people can use them, but I don't. Um, and this right now is working for me, mm. you know, and I also do actually have the assistance of a Western medicine, which I've been against since the ADD stuff, but seems to have given me some kind of a balance mentally, emotionally, chemically, I don't know, within the last, you know, three years. It's really helped me find a, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. Thanks for your honesty, bro. Yeah, straight up. It's it's rad. Bless you. It's scary. Really? It's scary, to be honest. You know, you're, you're, you're being openly honest about something that's well, personal to you. Well, it's kind of like that's, you know, like... But that's your that's your. For power. so many years I lied, right? I was living a lie, mm. so how hard is it to... Yeah, but that's that's your power. What are you looking for, a lighter? Yeah. Um, but that was like, yeah, that was like the ex- extreme nature of it. It was like, I guess, but I am... That's That's been me, though, an extremist. Anyone that knows me would say that. Yeah, right. You know, he was zero to a hundred. But maybe, maybe you could look at that as like you hadn't actually learned how to harness. I mean, you said at the start that you know you're empath- you're very deeply empathetic mm. of people and the world around you. Like you're an empath, and which totally. we often thought was, ne- and you're a highly sensitive person. And maybe you didn't know how to. Harness- <laughs> you found the lighter, <laughs> and maybe you didn't know how to harness that. Oh, I had no and, idea. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and again, when you've got a superpower that you don't know how to use, no role model, can be dangerous. Fully, like, you know, like you, like you, and it's like, but then when you just start to harness it, it's like, oh, hang on, I can do stuff here. I can inspire people. 
can make change. Mm. You know, and I'm sure you inspire numerous people through your art. Art is inspiration, you know, and, and you're doing it. And it's so necessary. Yeah. It's interesting, eh? Because um, as I said, like as a kid I was drawing and stuff, but it never ever occurred to me. I don't I don't think I was really that that good. I wouldn't be a kid that was in the, you know. Let's not. Let's not. To- okay. Let's not title it good or bad. Define good. Okay. Let's you know? throw. Let's throw that term out out the window, and let's. I'll say instead. Um, I don't think there was any galleries walking into that classroom saying, you know, gotcha. yeah. yeah. So it was just something I enjoyed. Yeah. And never ever saw it as a a career or a thing like that mm. at all. And in Miami, in uh. Yeah, in Miami, I really LA, and then Miami really just America uh, taught me everything about art. Literally, that's where I discovered everything: art history, um, mediums, materials. Um, you know, just everything. I just engrossed myself in it all. Nice. In sobriety, I was just like sponge. I was just exploring everything. Because you're firing on all, like, you know, you're firing on all cylinders. Listen, this is an awkward awkward thing in the podcast that happens every now and then. Man, I've got to piss again. Mm. Now, we can, do, we can do this two ways. <laughs> you can stay here live and keep talking. Or put it on pause. <laughs> all right, can, we, can, we can pause Let's it. Let's pause okay. it. Okay. Yeah, man. So what were we talking about before the toilet break? We were just sort of... Look, actually, I've got a question for you. So you yeah. got to this point where you realised that, you know, you're not using – you're using colour as a deterrent, as a numbing even, mm. whereas like you felt that the black and white was more raw, more expressive of how you were feeling more and honest. who you are. More honest. Direct. It is direct. and bla- I mean, it is – look at black and white. It's as direct as it gets. It's yeah. black or white. It's yin and yang. Right. And if you come into, say, a, let's just say a 12-step program where you're going – to shed some stuff, right? Yep. So if you walk in there with like all this jewelry on and colorful clothes and a scarf and a hat and, yeah, you know, dressed to the attire, yeah, and then you're told pretty much through that process to take one of those things off each day until the point where you're just completely naked, right? Right. So now I'm standing here naked without all my fucking masks, my masks on and my distractions and my um trinkets that will make you not look at me really will keep you focused on what I'm looking like. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're all <laughs> so now they're all down and I'm naked. Okay. I'm naked emotionally, I'm <laughs> naked spiritually, I'm naked physically. And from that point, um, that's where I connected to my base and and um found a connection with God as I understand God. Yeah. And which is universe, energy that yeah. And so prior to that, you didn't have a mm, you didn't have an idea of what God was to you, or what a higher power was, or have a higher power. Uh, there was some kind of deep feeling that was something else, but the whole spiritual or the re- religion really beat that out of me at school. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was raised with spiritual like parents that were always. Mum was always like, you know, she would say, "Thank you, Fred." I think it was a man that passed. It was a spiritual guy, a friend of hers. Yeah. And so when she get a parking spot, thank you, Fred. You know, things <laughs> like that, you know. Cool. And, um, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, man. Um, so at the moment, like where you are in life right now, mm. yeah, 
living in an awesome place right by the beach in Cronulla, yeah. you know, and um, you uh, you take care of uh, of someone full time. Yep. And um, that would be really like a profound sort of giving giving lifestyle. I'm sure it's got its challenges, but yeah. Oh, it's an absolute blessing. Is it? It's an absolute... And your face just lit up as soon as I said yeah, that. Yeah, man. You know, so what do you like about it? Because the whole thing is like I could just go into this whole spiel now where it's like I'm saving the world and I'm like, you know, I'm just a really compassionate person. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, you're going to get it how it is. And it's like, man, I didn't want to come back to Sydney, you know, and I was either going to start trying to tackle acting again because I'd done a commercial just as I left Miami, ironically. Wow. Um, for a Super Bowl commercial in Australia. No way. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. What brand? Oh, and actually don't talk brands, but what were no. you doing in it? Um, I was... I was Speaking role? Yeah, speaking role. No way. Main speaking role. Cool. Selling... Uh, mm, do I tell their names? No, no. Oh, yeah, whatever. Go. ESPN. Oh, you did it for ESPN? Yeah. Fuck, that's mad. Yeah, so there you go. I played with the... Played with the system in that way but um <laughs> no that was super fun that was that was great yeah but um yeah so it was either that and i was just going to continue making art i to be honest man i just didn't want to be in i was almost going to kind of move to bali and just and make art in the jungle that's i was that's that was my only alternative so um when i got offered this job it was by this you know dear woman and um I'm connected with her family in a, in a special way. Um, and she offered me the job and said, you're an artist. It's going to be very flexible. Um, you know, I want to keep it within the family type thing, but, you know, you'll be paid under government and whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's had its, it's had its ups and downs and challenges 100%. Yeah. But where I'm at right now and where he's at right now and where we're all at with it is um, – it's just a true blessing, mate, because I'm getting to – okay, take it back to the 12-step program. My head was right up my ass, right? I thought it was the most important thing in the universe. Not really, but at sometimes. Self-centered. Self-centered. Um, and self-warped. <laughs> And, you know, and so I had to pull my head out of my ass to discover myself yeah, yeah. and realize that there's a whole planet and other people around me. Yeah. And this is like, this is a God blessing. Everything's a God blessing. Gotcha. But on this actual topic, to be given an opportunity to have the focus on someone else and have a responsibility for someone else on a daily basis mm-hmm. when I'm like a gypsy, hippie, nomadic um, yeah man who doesn't like to live by certain schedules and all that stuff. <clears throat> but I get to I get to I get to put my attention on him and like really focus on what he wants in the day. It gets you out of yourself, right? Yeah, it gets me out of myself. Yeah. And then it's like you're being of service to, to another human. Yeah, and it yeah. makes me slow down to mm. his level and, and really listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, because of speech and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I'm, yeah, and, and to slow down as far as pace and what is it, what does this man actually want? Like, what does he need? And then when I cover those basic necessities, um, it's just like I get to enjoy this beautiful human being who's had all these experiences and 
like I'm getting paid to spend time with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the past I might have felt bad about that, like, oh, that's weird getting paid for, you know, sharing someone love or care. Yeah. At the same time, it's like living in the system but not being a part of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I betcha. And it's a total blessing I get to make my art. I get to create and coll- collaborate with more and more people now. Um, every artist needs a consistent income. In the past, I thought, okay, I'm that good. <laughs> you know, in yourself, it's like, I'm that creative. I can do this, you know, and just rely. And, and you can. There's, it can be done. But at that time, I wasn't ready or yeah. capable. Now I am and I have that income as well to assist me. So cool, man. Yeah. Support that. But also like my theory on that as well is that maybe it actually complements your art. You know, if you were just doing art full time, totally. you know, you could get burnt out on it. Yeah. You know, and um, this way it could just be that balance that you need. Yeah, it is that balance that I need. Like I, you know, I needed, I need a kind of daily anchor and he's my daily anchor. Cool. You know, yeah. Um, no matter what, seven days a week, we get up and we go out to Cornell, yeah, and we spend time in nature. And if I'm not up at that time, he's banging on my door. So, get your nuts fine, leave it, Let's keep going. And, um, yeah, and that starts my day, you know, that's from that's from like 7 38 to like 12 o'clock, yeah. And I've probably gone swimming in that time. Yeah. You know, and spent time in the sun and looked at nature and meditated maybe and stretched. And then I get home and I'm ready to paint, you know, and it's great. Like a lot of commissions are coming through now. I've done some murals and I'm just loving the process of creating. And my main focus on anything in life right now is I want it to be this organic, uh, natural, equal relationship of giving and receiving. You know what I mean? Yeah, balance, and balance. if that ain't there, then I don't want it. You know, gotcha. I'm at that age now, I guess, where, as I said, I'd lived a lie for so long. Yeah. You know, and then I'd, I'd done things that I thought other people wanted me to do. Yeah. And now it's like, no, you know, I'm doing what I want to do, but I'm also going to help other people that are around me in any way I can. Nice, man. You know what I mean? And yeah. the more money I make or the wherever my career goes – I want I want that to continue to grow. If the wealth grows, then the giving should grow as well, you know. Oh, it's the best, but I think that mindset opens you up to abundance and then the universe starts to provide. Yeah, it's such a it's a it's a toxic poison shallow hole to just chase the money. It is. It is. We'll do it. But that that is like I've been talking a lot about abundance. I just did a podcast with Get good- the money, don't chase it. Just get it. <laughs> yeah, well Why chase it? Like don't you're not chase a, it. you're not a fucking a donkey with a carrot dangling in front of it. You need the money to to, to, to create, to survive. To survive, we get yeah. that. Mm. But it shouldn't be your primary focus. No. Yeah, and it's funny. Like it's, whenever a shame, it's a shame that it's the system set up that way, though, where people actually mm. do work nine to five on that structure because of that. But when, when you... Uh, when you spend time with people who have an abundance of money, mm. and I've spent a f- with I've spent time with a few of those types yeah. of people, th- they will actually say exactly what you're saying. But they had to get to that end where all of a sudden mm. money was just no thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um, they just went, okay, well, now what? And they were lacking so much in many areas of their life. 
often relationship breakdowns or empty relationships, disconnect from children, um, not feeling fulfilled, mm. you know, not satisfied. And uh, I think, like, I love what you said then. It's like, don't chase the money. It'll, it'll let it come to you. Yeah. But in the, in the process, you receive an abundance of love and friendship. And I'm hoping we can be friends after yeah, this. You know? You're <laughs> so, a legend. But you know what I mean? So it's mm. like, it's it's about abundance. And I just did a podcast, a second podcast, with a good friend of mine, an artist, Christian Stern. Uh, he makes beautiful artwork. And he lives in Uluwatu in Bali. Mm. He's from California. And he talks a lot about abundance. And uh, it's not in the traditional sense, and mm. that's what drives his artwork is is to um, to give and, re- and and receive in return without any expectation. Amen. Like I'm re- <laughs> I'm receiving. I'm, I feel like you know I go surfing. I receive that energy from mother. Yeah. I come back to the studio. I express that energy from mother, but I'm getting guided at the same time, and then that energy. F- uh, happens to vibrate with someone else yeah. on their frequency gotcha. and they're like, damn, I feel that. Yeah. And then they purchase yeah, and then that money goes back into facilitating the life that I live. Thank you. And I can keep putting that energy out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it's about because, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm creating in the sense that like if we're going to speak technically, artistic, you know, technicalities or whatever i don't feel like i'm creating anything that's going to save the world but it's more about me putting my vibration out there mm-hmm. as directly as i can like expressing it yeah. um and i think that's a pure good place to come from damn straight yeah it feels better that way yeah it does now listen man i'm gonna want to do something different with you i'm gonna ask you like about five or six short like one answer response questions are you ready Mm. okay let's do it religious or spiritual spiritual thrusters or twinnies twinnies soft tops or boogie boards (laughs) soft top (laughs) slippery surfer or swayze Uh oh slippery surfer (laughs) uh ice cube or dr dre Dr. Dre. Thank you. Oh, really? See, I'm an ice cube guy. Um, baby. Shark Island or the Cape? Cape. I was actually, actually wrote Shark Island or Vui Wrights, but I I thought Cape was more appropriate for you. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I surfed, I got that wave on the Mini Simmons out Island. Yeah. Before then I'd surfed Island maybe four four or five times in my whole life yeah, and never really like gave it a go. Like the same thing, just scared, scared of the place. Yeah, right. And I think since going to the 12 step and getting sober, that whole experience and then everything up until this point yeah, is what cracked me open. The black, the black, the charcoal working on, you know, stripping everything back. Mm. It was like, okay, you've surfed beach breaks now. You've done all the fancy spins and twirls and all that. Yeah. You know, I want to go connect to the raw and, and, and that, in my face seriousness of like totally you know yeah and but then yeah surfing surfing it on the mini simmons was just like such an amazing experience but it's funny because people think i must have surfed out there quite a bit but i don't at all did it hold in the barrel or did you just want to slide out no yeah it was crazy like as i'm taking off i literally said a prayer (laughs) 
No, literally. And I haven't, I haven't done this much. Gnarly. But I'm coming down. I'm just like, I'm going for it. Like I wasn't even going to go out that day anyway. So I'm paddling for this wave. And then just as I get to my feet, I just see this kind of like steep wall and I just say, God, please protect me. And as soon as I did, I just, my arms just went back and I was like, no, I don't know if you saw the footage, but I, I feel it. like I'm like flying through it like an angel or something. But Unbelievable. what I found with that board is it's got this tiny little edge on the tail and then that skinny little thin, narrow fin on the, on the rail. Yeah. And you can feel it catch. If you, if you push enough weight into that corner of the board, the, the, yeah, the yeah. right corner at the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right on your toe. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And then you balance all your weights on the right-hand side so the uh, inside of – Yeah, so the inside edge is holding inside the wall. Inside edge is holding the wall. Um, that was That's all it needed. Really? Like once I found that line where I'd come down enough yeah, where yeah. – because you know, if you if you try to t- start making a bottom turn yeah. too early, mm. that's when you're going to feel the fins catch and start sliding. Gotcha. But if you get all the way to the bottom, because that wave was like below sea level. Yeah, yeah. So once you slowly get to the bottom of that and yeah. just set a line. Yeah. Once that edge caught, it just kind of held me in there. Nice. But as soon as I took off, I'm like, I'm spinning for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. I was ready for it. I was like, I'm just going to do a 360 down into a closeout. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to. I actually want to get. That's what I want to do. I want to get take a, off on a wave. Do a three sixty. I'm going to. I'm going to do it at Ireland. I'm going to take off. Yeah. Do a three sixty. Yeah. As you said, where per, most people do like a, a check turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to spin straight into the barrel. It's funny you should mention that because when I was talking to Dylan Longbottom recently, he said that that's what they're trying to progress at at shipstones on tow boards, where you. They they want to do a th- some a few guys like Kai Lenny and that are talking off the step at three six because yep. they're going to a tow board so they're strapped in. Yeah, Kai Lenny's talking about ollieing off that step three sixty like He'll and, do it. and landing landing off off that step into the barrel. into the barrel. Yeah, and like I'm like you reckon he's like fucking I promise you that's going to happen. Yeah, of course. Because like he said in of terms of big is. wave charges and stuff, he feels that Kai Lenny's really progressive mindset in terms of what boundaries he can push in that respect. And I'm like, yeah, I believe it. That guy charges. I don't know much about him, but yeah, everything, everything I've seen and heard is pretty nuts. But listen, man, yeah. it's been so epic. Like, I'm like, uh, again, I say this all the time, but the podcast chooses its guests, man. And the way we, we connected was amazing. And, mm. um, your, your story is profound and you're authentic. And I love that. And it's such a superpower. And again, I just, I talk about this a lot. You're a highly sensitive person. So am I, you know, mm. and it's it's a beautiful thing and our society tries to tell us that it's not. Mm. So fuck yes. Booyah kasha. Now listen. Um, Sensitivity is a strength. It is, bro. And now listen, uh, I ask all guests to come with a, a cause. Yep. So um, what's the cause you want to advocate for today? I'm going to go with my mum's long time one of Fred Hollows, um, the Eye Foundation. Beautiful. Uh, every person deserves to see. Fuck yes, they yeah. do. So Fred Hollows Foundation, and I'll put a link in Kurt's show notes, and that will um, follow his episode around, and you can find it on the Terrible Happy Talks website. That's www.terriblehappytalks.com. It also has links to all the major platforms that you can listen to this podcast, such as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. So choose the platform that works best for your device. 
and that'll be in Kirk's show notes. Now, listen, brother, I've got a present for you. Bless okay? yourself. So um, the Australian distributors of Indosol will be sending you a pair of flip-flops or slides. Yes. If you don't know much about Indosol, they make footwear out of repurposed motor vehicle tires. Amen. Big shout-out to founder Kai Paul, who's a friend of mine who lives in Bali, makes beautiful, beautiful shoes, and uh, they'll be sending you a pair. And I'll get your shoe size before I leave. Legend. And the other one is I give this to all guests. Don't get too excited. But you get the Terrible Happy Talk Circle logo sticker. There's only now 71 of these in circulation. Yeah. Thank so you very much. you can stick it wherever you want. Um, I'm you keeping know. that. <laughs> it's only a sticker. I, I, I it's the meaning behind the sticker, mate. But it's, it's like you're, a, you're an alumni now. You've been on the show. Don't but get embarrassed. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's like a small, It's a small gesture. Mate, you're like... You know, a portable podcast. You came all the way to me. Yeah, bro. This is a special thing and you're giving me a memento. doesn't matter if it's a rock or a sticker. Yeah, and I did come all the way to you, but I also believe in the power of setting a context for a conversation and it just so happens that the podcast actually allows you to set a context for a conversation, but you don't need to do a podcast to arrange a time with someone that you know or like or interested in to sit down and just have a good chat. Mm. Just do it. And just listen to each other, see what happens, see if you feel better. Amen, brother. <laughs> yes, All right. man. I think we're out, dude. Are we done? Cool. Here you go, outro music. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Kirk. <laughs> Hey, so before we kick off the podcast, I just want to talk about getting your morning kick in Belmont Coffee. Belmont is owned by skaters, barbers, traders, and musicians. They came together with the idea of creating a co-pilot that's next to you on the late night drives, early mornings on the job site, or a midday pick-me-up. Ethically sourced beans in a sustainable can and ready to go when you are. Use the code THT to score a discount at belmont.com. That's Belmont, B-E-L-L-M-O-T-T dot com.